Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Best friends. Yep. Best friends forever. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy best friends forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Greg Sussman. Yo! Welcome to the program. Frankie is out again this week. Florio is off to LA, which leaves me, of course, alone. It leaves me just here by myself. But have no fear, because I'm not really by myself. I'm with an honorary BFF. It's my guy, Raymond Summerlin from Roto World. What's going on, Ray? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. It's going really well. Thanks for doing this. I mean, last time we talked was like a year ago, uh, and I read you a whole bunch of Roto World blurbs um, that I found hysterical. Yeah. And uh, since then, uh, I've tried to find others that made me laugh um, as as precipitously as the other ones did, I, I'm going to be honest with you. You 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 smartened up, and it, it's bothered me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So, I look so are you forward to it. At our undeniable wit. Are you laughing at our wit? Or are you laughing at the camp reports? Uh, I, I laugh at the I laugh at the camp reports mostly. Um, the the over excitement over nothing really gets me. Um, but the, there's certain wit, there's certain players, and we talked about this, there's certain players that you just fall in love with or hate so passionately that it just gets me. And I, I never want it to stop ever. Yeah, I, I think Anthony Miller is going to be high on that list. I think we're all <laughs> in love with Anthony Miller. So anytime anybody says anything about Anthony Miller that's even quasi-positive, I, I think that that's probably going to show up on the news feed. But if someone said something you're super nice about Josh Allen. I'm not sure that it would. I'm not sure it would be there. <laughs> is is Anthony Miller one of these dudes that no matter like we're gonna see just five blurbs in a row from? Like that's how I feel about Andrew Luck, right? No matter what, if Andrew Luck uh, throws a rock, we were getting a Roto World update from him. Is that Anthony Miller going to be that guy? Yeah, I think the preseason he might be. You know, we don't we don't blurb every preseason game <laughs> the way that we would a normal game, right? But. I have a feeling that every Anthony Miller performance, if he catches a touchdown this week, I don't even know what day they play, I assume Thursday. If he catches a touchdown this week, just wait. The headlines will be coming. So let's start with Anthony Miller. And, and what I wanted to do uh, on today's show, um, the running backs in particular, because they're going much earlier than the wide receivers, I think it's really hard to differentiate. Like Right now, Darius Geist is going about a round ahead of all the other guys. I don't know if that will remain true in the next three or four weeks as everyone finishes up their drafts, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. But the wide receivers are, are entirely different. There is no lock wide receiver like there is a Saquon Barkley. There is not even the, I don't want to say high upside flyer that Anthony Miller is, but there, there's no fourth or fifth or sixth round guy that you're like, all right, this, guy, this guy's a guy I want on my team. It doesn't exist at the wide receiver position for the rookies this year, at least in my estimation. I took a look at the NFFC's um, wide receiver ADP over the last week or so because I thought doing it back to February kind of made no sense. So the first wide receiver off the board that's a rookie is DJ Moore, and he goes pick 122. So we're looking literally at the end of the 11th round before a single rookie wide receiver goes off the board. Is DJ Moore the first rookie we should take? Or is it Anthony Miller? I actually think it's neither. I would probably in redraft take Michael Gallup ahead of both of those guys. But I think you've hit on a you've hit on a very interesting point there is that we're not that excited about this receiver class. And that was true heading into the draft. I mean, we saw how people fell in the draft. I mean, the guy who was the consensus number one didn't even go number one in Calvin Ridley. Now he's not even being drafted. Um, you go further down the list, Christian Kirk is undrafted. So you're you're right on the money there that there are just a lot, of, a lot of rookie wide receivers that people are, are only willing to dip their toe in. But that actually could be a good thing. To DJ Moore, I would probably take Michael Gallup ahead of him. I would, I, actually, I would definitely take Michael Gallup ahead of him. But you could talk yourself into DJ Moore. He's you know, talented. He was able to produce at Maryland with 
literally no quarterbacks. Like, I don't know if they had a quarterback on scholarship. It certainly wasn't a good okay. quarterback. Okay, for the, for the record, wait, 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 I'm going to cut you off there. Because for the record, they had many quarterbacks under scholarship, <laughs> but they all tore their ACLs, as they do every year at my alma mater, the University of Maryland. After they beat Texas, though, they made sure to beat Texas first. <laughs> exactly. They, exactly. They did it. Uh, continue. Sorry for but yeah. Question. So he, his situation, his situation, like you look at it, you say, okay, maybe he's not going to get targets because they have Devin Funches and because they have Greg Olson and because they have Christian McCaffrey, who I mean, is just going to, I think, retain most of what his target share was last year. Right. But are you really excited about two of those three? Are you excited about Devin Funches? Are you excited about Greg Olson coming off that injury? I know he had the big playoffs. So I think that, you know, if you're trying to make a case for somebody to take in the 11th round, which is where DJ Moore is going, I, I'm not mad if someone goes, all right, I'll take that guy. Now he's going ahead of some people. I'd probably take ahead of him, Cameron Meredith, Kenny Stills, maybe Marquise Lee. But I don't think you're, you're wasting a pick if you're trying to take a shot on DJ Moore in the 11th round. Well, to, to actually to answer your question, I have a whole bunch more when it comes to rookie wide receivers, and it's Raymond Summerlin joining me uh, for this hour here on the BFFs. Um, my answer is yes to your question, that I do want to take a shot on Devin Funches. I do actually want to take a shot on Greg Olson. And maybe that is is a little bit foreign to, to the expert community, but like Greg Olson, isn't, is he not still... For for instance, Cam, uh, Cam Newton's favorite wide favorite wide receiver, essentially his favorite pass catcher, like Greg Olson, when he came back, I know he never was fully healthy, but he had that monster game, and I believe it was Week 15. Now that he is healthy, I don't know if his head's totally into football with all of his broadcasting opportunities, but I don't know that that's changing. And Devin Funches, as soon as the Kelvin Benjamin trade happened, everybody kind of jumped in on Funches, and he performed really well. I like Funches. I like Olsen. And because of that, I'm kind of sour when it comes to DJ Moore. I'd much rather the guys going around him. You mentioned Cameron Meredith being one of them. I'd much rather some of the other rookie wide receivers. And because and that's because I do like Funches, and I do like Olsen. I can't get with you on Funches. I just I, There's something about him as a, as a player I've never been excited about. Right. The Olsen point is interesting because of their new offensive coordinator, North Turner. Of course. And we saw what he did. You said that He's Cam Newton's favorite wide receiver. Well, then we have an offensive coordinator that used the tight end as basically his number one wide receiver and Antonio Gates before. So I think that there's some history there to say, oh, yeah, this is, he is going to be maybe the highest targeted guy. That injury coming back from that foot injury is a concern. But like you said, they he had a couple big games last year. So I definitely think that's there. And I think that the the path to targets for DJ Moore is not as clean for someone like Michael Gallup or maybe even some, but someone like Anthony Miller. But I still think that if you're taking an upside shot in the 11th and 12th round, I think that maybe he's the kind of guy you should be looking for. Fair enough. And we're going to get to Anthony Miller and Michael Gallup in just one second. But DJ Moore was taken as the first wide receiver off the board. After, and that was before the, the guy everybody thought, and that was Calvin Ridley. Ridley basically came into college, not unlike Bo Scarborough, where you're just like, this guy's going to be a first-round pick. This guy's the next in a long lineage of successful wide receivers out of Alabama. And he slips and goes to Atlanta, where, of course, he's playing next to one, another graduate of Alabama, and, and that's Julio Jones. But he's the number three wide receiver with Mohamed Sanu still there. Calvin Ridley is arguably the most talented wide receiver in this class. Why is the fantasy community showing him no love? Well, because, you know, where are the targets coming from? I don't have the number off the top of my head, but Julio Jones has averaged like an absurd 10 targets per game throughout his career. We think that he's going to kind of retain that role. He can take a lot of the targets that Sanu has, perhaps. Maybe they they use him that way. But where are the targets coming from? How are you getting excited? And the problem with Calvin Ridley, if you want to take it to a, a dynasty perspective, is what you got excited about with Calvin Ridley is I, this is a guy who I think could come in and immediately produce. He is a guy that is ready to go right now. He can come in and produce. and it's unlikely he gets that opportunity unless something happens to Julio Jones. If someone wanted to say, well, you know, I know Julio's history. I am, I'm willing to take a late round flyer on a guy and hope that he's more involved, even if Julio's healthy and then see what happens if, if Julio were to go down, then, then I can get behind that. But it's just, I don't know, I don't know what type of target share you're hoping for on a team that, you know, that has Julio Jones on it. Who would you rather own Calvin Ridley or Mohamed Sanu? I'd rather own Calvin Ridley because I, I think – so this is kind of the problem with rankings. If I was making projections, <laughs> I would project Mohamed Sanu to have a 
better year than Calvin Ridley. But there's not a chance that I would take Mohamed Sanu ahead of Calvin Ridley because the upside's just not there. We, we've seen what Mohamed Sanu is. We've seen what he's been. And he's been shockingly consistent in what he's been. But it's, it's the upside, even the weekly upside, just really isn't there for a guy like him. So I'd much rather have Calvin Ridley. Is there a chance in... We know with Steve Sarkeesian's offense, it was not nearly as successful as it was the year before under Kyle Shanahan. But is there an opportunity for Ridley to maybe start on the outside next to Julio and have Mohamed Sanu play that slot? Like I don't know what Sarkeesian's going to do. He obviously has to do a better job of getting the, making sure the ball gets to Julio Jones. Is there a, pa- a chance that all three of them start and maybe Calvin Ridley has a, I don't know, a Juju Smith-Schuster type of rookie season? Yeah, it's certainly there. And kind of to that point... Like, they actually didn't have that bad of an offensive season last year. They were always going to step back from what they were in 2016. Right, That's, that was never going to happen again. But they actually moved the ball really well. They just couldn't score touchdowns. And obviously, that, that's an important part of an NFL offense is finding the end zone. So they need to find a way to rectify that somehow. But it's not like their offense was bad last year. It just kind of bogged down once they got in the red zone. If that touchdown luck changes. And I think if you're making projections about Matt Ryan and you look at his career touchdown percentage, you would say, all right, he's probably going to throw quite a few more touchdowns this season than he did last season. Right. Then maybe there is room there for someone like him. But you also have to take into account Tevin Coleman. You have to take into account um, Devon. <laughs> I, Devin, I, I just lost Freeman's first name. Devontae Freeman. Freeman. There we go. Devontae Freeman. <laughs> that was a senior moment right there. Um, so you got to take into account Devontae Freeman. You know, Austin Hooper always gets his training camp buzz. So yep. we'll see what, where that goes. I'm not I'm not particularly high on that. But there are a lot of other mouths to feed there. So could he come up and be Juju Smith-Schuster in an explosive offense? I, I certainly think that's a possibility. And why I, I think taking a stab on him late is, is not a bad idea. But I don't know if you can project that type of work. Raymond Summerlin, rotoworld.com. He is hanging with me over the next hour. And Calvin Ridley, tough to project, no doubt. DJ Moore, fine. A, a flyer in the 11th or 12th round. But now let's get to the Roto World favorites. Let's get to Anthony Miller uh, and let's get to Michael Gallup. But I'm going to hold off on Miller because I want to save the best for last. But Michael Gallup, the question isn't about opportunity, it's there. We don't know the wide receiver pecking order necessarily in Dallas. We know that Cole Beasley has the slot, even though they're trying to work on him outside. We know they signed Alan Hearns, and we know they drafted Michael Gallup. The big question that many are asking this training camp is which of the wide receivers do you want to draft first, Alan Hearns or Michael Gallup? Your answer? Well, I still think the answer is Alan Hearns. Even though he's been dealing with a minor injury. He's been used as the number one. Every beat reporter says Alan Hearns is the number one. And I'm going to go ahead and believe them until I have reason otherwise. But Michael Gallup might be a better player. We don't really know. We'll have to see. I liked him quite a bit in the pre-draft process. We'll, we'll see what he can be. <laughs> but the opportunity, even if Alan Hearns ends up being the number one and manages to stay healthy, which is something he hasn't done since his breakout year in 2015, there's still going to be opportunity for targets there. We think about Des Bryant, you know, his targets are gone. Jason Witten's targets are also gone, and they don't have a tight end to replace him. I I have jokingly gotten very excited about Blake Jarwin, and I, I'm actually fine in deeper leagues if you want to take a shot on him. <laughs> but who are they going to replace Jason Witten with? Who is that guy going right. to be? And that could be Michael Gallup. There are targets everywhere in this offense. And the other point for Dallas, I think people are sleeping on this passing game. I know that it wasn't good down the stretch last season. And they say, oh, well, the receiving core is bad. The receiving core wasn't very good last year. Des Bryant wasn't good last year. Jason Witten was very old last year. It's not like it's not like the receiving core is that much worse than it was last season. And if you look at Dak Prescott's numbers before Zeke Elliott went down, they were actually great. He was on pace for 32 touchdowns and eight interceptions in the first eight games. So it's not unreasonable to expect this passing game to bounce back. I don't think the receiving weapons are maybe as bad as people think they are. So I, I think maybe getting a couple shots at this passing game is a good idea. So I actually, I couldn't agree more with you. I was, I like so many other people were very high on Dak Prescott last year coming into the year. And with Ezekiel Elliott in there, he, really picked up where he left off two seasons ago. And then when Zeke goes down, you obviously cannot match that uh, at the running back position. And Des Bryant, there's, there's a reason he's no longer on a team and no longer employed anywhere. 
because he was old. And maybe he demanded the ball too much, depending on who you were believing. And we know the separation certainly wasn't what it used to be. Jason Witten, as good as he was and as consistent as he was, he wasn't a game-breaking tight end. He, he could catch the ball. You could trust him from there. But you weren't rely on him to make big play after big play. So to say that Alan Hearns could come in and do a really nice job for this team, and to say Michael Gallup could do the same, and to say that Cole Beasley can get back to where he was two years ago— I just don't see it as much of a stretch. Like, it seems like a very fair and realistic scenario, and that makes me think of where Dak Prescott's going at the quarterback position, where he can be had for almost nothing at this point in single quarterback leagues with no super flex. That's a value right there, and I think not enough people are talking about Dak Prescott. Yeah, he's one of my favorite quarterbacks to get i'm a late round quarterback guy and so i'm, I'm searching for value and you're you're an I expert in the industry Raymond. i think you have to be a uh quarterback late guy i that's fair it's always fun in mock drafts and in industry mock drafts to watch to watch quarterbacks fall further than they ever would in any actual league and we have to act like that's that's gonna what's going to happen aaron Rodgers in the sixth round but but I, yeah, I, I like late round quarterback. I think it's the way to go. And if you're looking for someone late, I think he, I think Marcus Mariota, I think Tyrod Taylor, I think those kind of guys um, are, are really the kind of guys you should be targeting back there. Don't don't go and try to get, I don't know even who's going that late, Phillip Rivers or, or Ben Roethlisberger. Don't try to have that be your quarterback after those top elite guys are gone. Go and get those guys that can hit like Dak Prescott. And if they don't, well, then you just go and play the waiver wire and you stream and, and you'll be just fine. So that those are definitely the people I'm targeting later in drafts. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's funny, just one year ago, we were talking about Dak Prescott and Marcus Mariota uh, against each other. Which quarterback would you rather have? Both these guys, early round, I mean, early round quarterbacks, uh, early round being in the quotations, but quarterbacks that were starting on fantasy teams in week one. That that was the comparison between Mariota and Prescott. Now, uh, both of these quarterbacks, relatively late round of flyers, and, and, and Raymond's right, you don't need to rely on Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers, certainly where they're going, when guys like Dak Prescott and Marcus Mariota are there. Let's take a break here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. When we come back, we get to Anthony Miller, and then two other rookie wide receivers that Roto World is absolutely in love with. We see if Raymond's part of that contingent coming up next on the BFFs. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network want to remind you that we're giving away more World Series tickets on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and this time it's to the winner of a free DFS baseball contest. Contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival, and while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their family, that means 70% of families, nearly 14,000 each year, need a stranger's help to step up and donate. You can find out how you can help the cause and win 2018 World Series tickets by playing the free Daily Fantasy Baseball contest over at dailyroto.com slash DKMS. That's dailyroto.com slash DKMS. Your ticket to the World Series, a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. Dailyroto.com slash DKMS. We are joined by Raymond Summerlin. Anything you want to plug, Ray, by the way, while you're here? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Everything is on Twitter, <laughs> at Arms Summerlin. And I suppose... I suppose the Roto World draft guide. There you I go. suppose I have to mention that contractually. Yes, you. I'm almost positive you do. The Roto World draft guide. It's awesome. Uh, but as I mentioned, the Roto World draft guide. I'll tell you that the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Exclusive Edge Package is not just the draft guide. <laughs> it has everything. And Ray can't do this with Roto World, but I can with Roto Experts. I'll give you ten percent off right now. Use Frank the Tank when you check out. You don't want to do it. You don't want to. Draft without the Roto World Draft Guide or the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Package available right now. Uh, use the promo code Frank the Tank for our buddy Frank Stample, uh, who is still on vacation. Now, if you buy that Roto World Draft Guide and you look up Anthony Miller, what are you going to see? Um, 
like I, it kind of looks like a notebook from middle school in which you draw just a bunch of hearts around their name. Uh, I've called myself Raymond Miller a couple times, you know, just to get a feel for it. I, I love him. I absolutely love him as a player. I think he's an exceptional, exceptional player. And I don't think there's any reason for him not to be the number three or, or perhaps number four, depending on what you think of Tariq Cohen's. Um, I want you, he's going to be that kind of option in this passing game. Taylor Gabriel, you can say whatever you want. Well, maybe he's there. Tyreek Hill, I, you know, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. I think he's going to be the slot guy. I think he's going to be uh, the guy that comes in as maybe the number three receiver. And that could actually be very valuable. If you look at what Albert Wilson did last year when Nagy was calling, Matt Nagy was calling the plays, he got about 15% of the targets. So that's that's not that's not something that you can just throw away. There are some concerns. How much are they actually going to throw with Mitchell Trubisky? I'm not sure they're going to be good this year, so maybe game script forces them to throw more than they like. But if you're just going to take a late-round shot on talent, then he's he's one of the best you can. Well, I wouldn't say that problem with Anthony Miller, but you mentioned that the, the Bears will be down, but you're not sure exactly how good they're going to be. Well, my, my problem is that people look at Matt Nagy and they look at what the Kansas City Chiefs offense did, and they're like, all right, we, we can plug and play here, right? Like Jordan Howard's the the main running back, but Tariq Cohen's going to catch some passes, play third down, a Sharkhandrick West type of role, but maybe catch a few more passes because Jordan Howard can't. Fine, cool, I'm in on that. Then you have Anthony, then you have, uh, Anthony Miller being the uh, Albert Wilson. All right, that, that, that makes sense. Exactly, you know, he wasn't exactly fantasy relevant last year. You have Allen Robinson being this number one wide receiver who a lot of people are in on. Okay, fine, can buy that. Travis Kelsey is now Trey Burton. All right, makes sense. There's a lot of pieces in this offense, and a lot of these pieces that fantasy owners are getting in on early. People really like Allen Robinson. They absolutely love Trey Burton. They are loving uh, Tariq Cohen if you look at his ADP. Not all of these guys are obviously going to hit in Chicago. Which one do you like the best? Well, like the best is that I would draft Allen Robinson. Well, Jordan Howard, I guess I would draft first. Right, obviously. Of the, of the kind of passing game options. Allen Robinson's a guy who draft first. I don't know if I like him at his ADP. In fact, I don't like him at his ADP because of what you just mentioned. I don't know what his target share is actually going to be, and I don't know how many times they're going to throw. I think Mitchell Trubisky is another one of those we talked about in the last segment, a, a late-round quarterback guy. You take a shot on, dart throw it, and see what happens. But I'm still not sure how much he's actually going to end up throwing. And even if Allen Robinson is the number one option, which I think we would all agree he's going to be, if he's not getting 26 27% of the, the targets, then then are we really looking at a guy that, that we're that excited about? So I would say at cost, I'm, I'm not that interested in Allen Robinson. Tariq Cohen, I, I could see him as a player that – you really like the idea of starting him, and then you really get worried about putting him in your lineup every week because you have no idea how many targets he's going to get. So the guy who I like best at cost, I guess it would be Trey Burton, but even he comes with warts as well because, well, the first year there, we've never seen him in a leading role. They have Adam Shaheen there who's apparently showing well, so is is that guy going to steal some of his targets? So, yeah, I, I like this offense, and I like Mitchell Trubisky, and he's the guy that I guess I would draft top. But you're right. There are a lot of questions here. And if we're getting excited about all of them and all of their draft costs are going too high, then it, it might be an offense to avoid. The one guy uh, who you mentioned briefly up top was Jordan Howard. I, I still like Jordan Howard. I was the Jordan Howard truther last year after admittedly being a Jeremy Lankford truther the year before. I tried to be the opposite of Mike Clay. Like everybody, likes my, <laughs> everybody hates Jordan Howard. Like, well, I'm going to like him. And that was a disaster. Uh, so I, I jumped on the Jordan Howard bandwagon last year when everyone kind of jumped off. And I like him again this year. And you mentioned cost. You're right. Allen Robinson's now costing too much for his target share. Trey Burton maybe being too costly now because we've never seen it. I hate the logic, but it's true. We've never seen it. Maybe he turns into Laney Walker. Maybe he turns into Kevin Boss. I don't know. And Tariq Cohen, I thought you hit the nail on the head where, in theory, he's awesome, but when do you really want to start him? I think Jordan Howard, everything kind of aligns for him to go to be pretty much exactly where he's going in drafts, to be consistent, to be a player that you know is going to get the ball, you know is going to get the goal line work, and even if he can't catch... Well, Kareem Hunt came out on every third down last year anyway, and you know he had a pretty darn good year. So I really like Jordan Howard again. Yeah, if I were Jordan Howard, I didn't think that I would be when I started looking at things you know, in the spring. I thought, all right, this is a guy that I, I'm definitely going to be off. But 
but I'm just not. They didn't trade him, which is a, obviously a great <laughs> side for him. I worried that I worried that that might have happened for him. But you know, he's there. They're saying all the good things. He's apparently working on his his uh, catching ability. We'll we'll see how we'll see how far that goes. But I don't think he needs it. He didn't need it last year, and he came in and I believe was the running back ten or somewhere around there. That's where he finished. He didn't need that catching ability last year. He was able to do it on a bad team, on a bad offense. You would expect this offense to be a little bit better. Scoring opportunities go up, touchdown opportunities go up. I don't see any reason he can't recreate that. And like you said, that's where he's going in drafts. So yeah, I'm perfectly fine with this draft. Call. Yeah, I, I still, as a Jordan Howard uh, owner, um, have memories of just this way too many times, <laughs> and it just falls down on the floor. Uh, chances to yeah. win games for the Bears, and, and unfortunately, it obviously didn't happen. So that's the deal with Chicago. I know a lot of people believe that they can be the team that takes the jump this year, much like the Rams. Maybe not to that extent, but people are believing in the Bears, seeing Jared Goff, Mitchell Trubisky comparisons, certainly believe in the Titans um, with, with their new head, the coaching staff with Mike Vrabel uh, and Matt LaFleur at the offensive coordinator position. Before I get to the wide receivers, I, I, I know I only have you for another half hour, so I, I have to ask, how do you break down the Deion Lewis, Derek Henry, Henry conundrum so i don't i don't know if it is a conundrum i am not that i don't find them adversarial really like i i my my thoughts about derrick henry i guess suppose have to have some some relationship with my thoughts on dan lewis but i'm just i'm not really that worried and you mentioned the coaching staff i I just trust this coaching staff matt lafleur coming in so now he's coached in his last two stops under kyle shanahan and sean mcveigh if you want somebody if you want a pair of coaches to learn under. I think that those are the two that you'd be really excited about. And I also think that these two guys are so different that their their roles really make sense for Derrick Henry to come in, be the early down guy, be the goal line guy, come in and do that work. And Deion Lewis to work more in obvious passing situations. You know, LaFleur was in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan, with Freeman, whose name apparent first name apparently I cannot say. And still Devontae. And, and Tevin Coleman. Devonte, yeah. I, and still Tevin Coleman, and he was in there Atlanta with those guys. We saw how they used them. Both of them were able to be fantasy relevant. I think that that could be the situation here. Now, if you're betting on Derrick Henry, you're really betting on his upside right now based on where he's going. I actually think his ADP with running backs, it's uh, running back 16. I actually think that that's fine. But if you look at the receivers that are going around him, it seems like a bit of a stretch. But then again, Deion Lewis hasn't been the most healthy guy throughout his career. So if you think, all right, I know what Derrick Henry's going to be. I think he can reach the ceiling, even if Deion Lewis is healthy. And then if something happens to Deion Lewis, you know, you know, bar the doors, we'll see, we'll see what Derrick Henry is able to do. I, I'm not even, I'm not even that upset with taking him there. So I don't think it's adversarial. I think they're both who they are and that their value right now, I, I, I like them. I like Deion Lewis a little better at his value. But I, I'm fine with both of them. All right, there you go. And that was a really good breakdown and helpful of Tennessee and their backfield situation. I, I'm more Derrick Henry than Deion Lewis, but at Deion Lewis's value, where it is, I, I'm cool with that as well. We're going to hang, we're going to get back to the running backs in just one second. Two more wide receivers uh, that Roto World is obviously gushing over. Uh, and that starts with Cortland Sutton, who every report you read on Twitter is just yeah. like, this guy is incredible. This guy is unbelievable. We haven't seen a receiver like him since Randy Moss. I'm just like, what? And. Is it real? Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are there. Emmanuel Sanders is one of my favorite picks this year because he, he could be playing the slot. Uh, we know what Case Keenum could do there, and he's reliable. Uh, I know a lot of people that I trust, they're very much back in on Demarius Thomas. I don't know that all three things could be true, that Cortland Sutton could be this amazing, you like Emmanuel Sanders, and you like Demarius Thomas. Which of those three don't you want? I don't want Cortland Sutton in redraft. I, it is. I think when you're looking at Cortland Sutton, you're looking at it from a dynasty perspective. And, and from that perspective, you have to be excited because both Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are, I believe, 31. They are they're certainly getting up there. They're entering the points in their contract where the Broncos can get away from it. The Broncos obviously started to make plans for the future. They drafted Sutton. They drafted Deshaun Hamilton out of uh, Penn State University, the greatest university in the world. So they are <laughs> they are really getting excited about are they really getting ready for for the future? And when you look at the contract situation, the age of Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, you go, all right, I can see a scenario where Cortland Sutton is the number one receiver next year. This year, though, is a different story. You mentioned it. Emmanuel Sanders, I agree with you, is a, a very good value where he's going. I'm a little worried about Demarius Thomas based on some of his underlying numbers. If you go look at his yards after catch, uh, per catch, per reception, 
it, it has been a precipitous drop over the last several years, and that's kind of one of the indicators that maybe a guy's falling off. But he also has been playing with terrible quarterbacks. And Case Keenum might not be the best quarterback in the league, but I think he's going to be better than what he's had the last two or three years. So there, there are opportunities there for both those guys. I don't see them falling off unless there is an injury. So, yeah, in redraft, I just I don't know why you're investing Portland Sutton except for you're in a deep league. All the other receivers are taking you say, all right, maybe someone gets injured and I can I can take a shot on this guy. Well, the craziest thing that you said was that Penn State University is the greatest university in the world. That's kind of what I took out of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm sorry. I apologize for all the recruiting we do in Maryland. And I'm sorry for for the for the whoopings that are going to happen this year. I apologize for all of it in advance. You should you. I appreciate that. But the, the thing that hurts me the most is when I was in school, um, James Franklin was our offensive coordinator, and he was the coach in waiting. And they're like, nah, we don't, we don't want this guy. And they just let him go to Vanderbilt. I was like, all right, cool. Great. That worked out really well. Maryland football. There we go. One more rookie wide receiver to get to, and that's James Washington out in Pittsburgh. My problem with Pittsburgh is always the same, and it's not dissimilar to what we talked about over the last two with Anthony Miller um, and with Cortland Sutton. There's a lot of mouths to feed. Everybody loves Juju. Everybody loves... Most mainstreamers love Juju. Uh, there's a lot of people, experts, that don't love him at his cost. Antonio Brown is a top five pick. Le'Veon Bell is a top two pick. Where does that leave James Washington? I know that Mike Tomlin has gushed about him, both publicly and privately. I put him in that same category as Cortland Sutton, where redraft leaguers I don't think can draft. Dynasty leagues, obviously, a whole different story. But I don't think if you're in a redraft league, you can draft James Washington. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm I'm not excited about him. I guess his ceiling and what you would get really excited and say, all right, he's what Martavis Bryant was last year, at least at the end of the year, when when both Antonio Brown and Juju were healthy. And he might not even be that because their tight ends, if Vance McDonald can stay healthy, their tight end situation is looking quite a bit better. Well, and well, Vance McDonald staying healthy, that is a big if. But if that were to ever happen, their tight end situation is looking better. So I don't know where the opportunity is there. I wasn't a huge Washington fan you know, in the pre-draft process, so I'm certainly not going to kill myself to go and get in redraft leagues. What I will say is if you play preseason DFS, he is certainly someone I will be. I'll be interested in in the preseason. And also if you're you know, betting on the games and you're playing with the props or whatnot, James Washington, somebody you definitely want to yeah. remember. Are there any other rookie wide receivers that are worth mentioning for redraft leagues? I know Christian Kirk is somebody uh, that some people are high on. I don't know uh, what his value will be, but are there any other rookie wide receivers that we need to mention? He would be the one, but you have to be really concerned by what's going on early in camp in Arizona with, you know, it seems like Bryce Butler's ahead of him. It seems like Chad Williams is ahead of him. It seems like JJ Nelson is ahead of him. That's not great. And I never <laughs> really understood where he was going to play as long as Larry Fitzgerald, you know, is, is on the field because Larry Fitzgerald has had his resurgence the last couple of years, last three years in the slot. That seems to be where Christian Kirk is destined for in the NFL. So where Where is he going to get the touches? Where is he going to play? Perhaps a new coaching staff, perhaps Michael Coy plays Larry Fitzgerald in a different position. But there there are a lot of red flags against Kirk. The thing you have to like about him is he's going undrafted in, in standard leagues. So it's not going to cost you anything to get him. But I, I need to see a lot more in the preseason to really get excited about him. I completely agree uh, when it comes to Kirk. Um, and that's so funny. Frank, Frank brought up the same point there. Everybody loves Christian Kirk. He's the perfect slot wide receiver. They Invest in an early round draft pick, but their best wide receiver in their franchise history plays the slot. What can Christian Kirk do this year with Larry Fitzgerald there? I'm not sure. Um, so that's why a little cold on Christian Kirk. But we mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. I, I think it has to be asked. Larry Fitzgerald, I believe, is going off the board around uh, wide receiver 10 or wide receiver 12. People are finally trusting him again after 75 consecutive seasons of 100 catches and 1,000 yards. People are trusting him again. Sam Bradford's the quarterback for now. Josh Rosen's the quarterback of the future. Do you trust Larry Fitzgerald to be a back-end wide receiver one? I don't, actually. And I, I feel it's funny because I have, like, every year, it's Larry Fitzgerald. You, you should be drafting Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald should be drafting Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. Not, my, like, not right, Michael right, Floyd. Right. We'll draft. <laughs> not Michael Floyd. <laughs> we'll draft Larry Fitzgerald. We'll go ahead and we'll do it. And this year... It, it might be a little high. I don't know how good that offense can be. I mean, Sam Bradford, good luck trusting him to play more than a few games, a handful of games. They're going to get Josh Rosen in there. I, 
I'm optimistic for his future, but a rookie quarterback, their offensive line, you know, who knows? Like, I, I don't know how optimistic you can be about that offense. And if that offense isn't going to be even close to touching good, then it's it's tough to get excited about Larry Fitzgerald. But then again, it wasn't good last year, and he was still able to do it. So I, I, I think I would rather take some other people. I believe that he might be going ahead of Adam Thalen. I would take Adam Thalen ahead of him. Okay. So there, there are some names there. I, I like him more at the back end of the teens. I like him more in that 18, 19 range. But, but yeah, I mean, how are you going to argue against the guy who just keeps getting it done? I don't think he's finished outside the top 12 since 2014 is that right something like that yeah i'm not sure it's something like that but it's it's funny that as you mentioned year after year you were in because nobody else was and now everybody's in and you're out yeah zig when they said that hey that's that's how you win right That's, that's that's what we're told 20 minutes to go left in the show. Uh, Ray Summerlin and I hanging out. We're going to get to the rookie running backs because it's really exciting. It's Saquon Barkley, and then it's everybody else. But that everybody else tier is pretty large. How do we differentiate where we're taking them? We're going to do our best. I have questions. I'm hoping Ray has answers. We'll find out. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Fantasy Factor is the only exclusively single-entry DFS site, and they have free roles registering all the time. And great promotions for free prizes. Keep out a look. I read that wrong. Keep a look out for Fantasy Factor's free million-dollar survivor contest opening about a week before NFL kickoff. Go to FantasyFactor.com. That is FantasyFactor.com. Also remember, you want to use the Props Builder tool potentially on James Washington in the preseason you should go to mybookie.ag. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches. Avoid experts winning 90% of the money and invest in the players that you want and don't have to worry about the salary caps. If you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. And sign up using the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. The promo code is F-N-T-S-Y. Okay, we're with Raymond Summerlin, rotoworld.com. Check out the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Package, but also the Roto World Draft Package. It's on sale now. Uh, Ray does a ton of stuff um, in there, and, and follow his Twitter because it's... I don't want to say this to his face, but, he, but I can't see his face right now. He's not on camera, but it's mostly hilarious, the Twitter account, so it's good stuff. Well, thank you. I try. <laughs> all right. So the running backs now, it's Saquon Barkley that's going in the middle of the first round, and that's all well and good. And then after that, it's a bit of a crapshoot. A, a lot of situations where we look at and we're saying, hey, this guy may pull away and be a starting running back sooner rather than later. The first one off the board, according to the NFFC ADP over the last week, is Darius Geis, who is actually going off the board in the middle of the third round at pick number 32. The rest of the crew, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, Royce Freeman, they're all going about around and a half, round, round and a half later than Geis. Does that make sense, or should we be a little bit colder on Geis and a little bit warmer on another one of these guys? I, I think that makes sense. It's fine. I think the market... Because this is, you mentioned, it's such a weird situation with all these rookie running backs. But I, I believe, at least, that the market is valuing these guys pretty well. And I think that if I, if I were making you know, the rankings, which I, I do, obviously, <laughs> so in my rankings, there would be, I, guys would be well ahead of these, of these other guys. And you look at the situation, you say, well, they have Chris Thompson there, who's probably going to take some receiving work. And that is, that is certainly fair. But there have to be a couple caveats there. Chris Thompson's coming back from a serious injury. He said himself. He doesn't know if he's going to be fully healthy until November, a full year after the injury. So that's something you have to worry about. Chris Thompson has played 16 games in his career, 
once, and he had serious injury issues early in his career. In fact, we didn't know if he was actually going to you know, have a career because of the serious injuries issues he had early on. And then there were still opportunities last year with Chris Thompson in there. In the 10 games that Chris Thompson played, um, Rob Kelly and Samaje P. Ryan had 57% of the carries. They combined for 57% of the carries. So there are opportunities there for guys. Even with the kind of questions with Chris Thompson, all these guys have questions. I'm not really as worried about his. I think he's playing in a, an offense that's going to be very good for him. I'm I'm all in on Darius Geis and his draft costs, especially considering, you know, how high running backs have been pushed up and the fact that you can get him at running back 18. I, I think that's pretty good. Well, I guess let me ask about that concept, right? Running backs are all being pushed up. So when you get to that, I guess, end of the, uh, the four or five turn, that's where all the other guys are going outside of guys who's going in the middle of the third round. You yeah. look at the four, you look at the four or five turn. I mean, it's all of them. So if you start out wide receiver, wide receiver, and you have pick 11 and 12, I mean, these are the type of guys at least for me, this is who I'm targeting because they have the ability to make it big. They have the ability to potentially win you a league if you hit it right because they are rookies, and, and we know they may have the opportunity. Now, Geis is going earlier, and I think some of what you said, in all honesty, it calmed my fears a little bit because I immediately saw Alex Smith there, and I'm thinking, wow, Chris Thompson, like, this is a guy I have to draft. And now, like, you're right. The injuries are there. The injuries for Jordan Reed are obviously there, too. Maybe the obvious... Maybe the right answer is the obvious answer, and you draft Darius Geis to, to get the touchdowns, to get the majority of the carries, and you draft Jamison Crowder to pick up some of the work that you thought Chris Thompson would be. So that kind of qualmed my fears a little bit. Yeah, and I think that this is really a question about draft strategy. Like, what, are you, what are you trying to do at this point in the draft? Because if you were going to ask me, do you want to take Darius, Darius Geis in the third middle of the third round, or do you want to take... T.Y. Hilton or Stefan Diggs. The answer is T.Y. Hilton or Stefan Diggs. Of course. But if you're in a situation in which you took wide receivers early and you're saying, all right, well, now I, I need to get it back, then I'm, I'm fine with where he's going amongst the running backs. I would like it better if all of the running backs would cost less than they currently do because I think we're getting, we're getting a little crazy. In fact, we're getting historically crazy if you go back and look at, at the ADP and how many running backs are going in the first 12 picks. But – if I'm looking at just from purely, all right, he's running the 18th running back off the board. Yeah, I think that that's fair. And I think that he has the opportunity to outplay that cost. Well, let me follow you up with that. Having nothing to do with a rookie running back, of course. But we're talking about value. And running backs are going now at a historic pace of how high they are going. If you're at that turn, you're at 11 and 12. Should you be taking two wide receivers there? Let's say because running backs are getting pushed up, DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr. are there. And then the turn happens, and maybe a Leonard Fournette's there for you. Maybe a Dalvin Cook's there for you. And that, that's kind of where they're going. Does it make more sense to be like, listen, I'll take Odell Beckham and Michael Thomas or Odell Beckham and Keenan Allen, and I'll figure it out from there. Does that make more sense than taking a Fournette and or a, a Dalvin Cook? It makes more sense to me, and I. but I think it's all about how much risk, how risk-averse are you? Because if you're going to come in and take a wide receiver in the first and second round, anywhere in the first and second round, but especially there at the turn like you're talking about, if you're going to take that, then you are opening yourself up to risk. You're going to have to really – you're not going to like your running backs when you leave the draft. That is something I can promise you. If you take a wide receiver in your first two picks – you are not going to like your running back situation leaving the draft. How comfortable are you with that? How comfortable are you playing the waiver wire? If you're comfortable with both of those things, I think it's probably the way to go. And I know that enough people have been burnt by zero running back to kind of bristle at that term even being throwing out, <laughs> thrown out there. But I do think that this year with what we're seeing with the running backs being pushed up, we know inevitably half of these guys are going to bust because that's just what happens with running backs. I think you could really get an advantage by waiting taking a lot of shots in the middle round and then kind of bolstering your receivers late where there still is a lot of value. We talked about the guys still going, Cameron Meredith's going in the 11th round. That's a guy you can get and could probably be your wide receiver three and he's going in the 11th round. So I, I really like taking wide receiver shots early, maybe getting running back in the first round, but then getting some wide receivers and then just spending the middle parts of drafts, taking shots at running backs. It's going to look ugly when you leave the draft, but I do think it's probably the position to take. In the middle of those rounds, then you took your wide receivers, you banked on them, you maybe grabbed that bell cow running back, but then you just stockpiled wide receivers. Then you get to that fifth round, and there's these guys, these high upside running backs, Rashad Penny, Ronald Jones, and Royce Freeman in particular. I'm going to take Sony Michelle out because of the injury just for now. But you have three, those three guys. 
which one do you want the most? They're all going basically within five or so picks of each other. Which one do you want the most? I'm shocked that this is my answer. If you had asked me in May, th there's no way this has been my answer, but my answer is Ronald Jones. And he's not a guy that I particularly am fond of as a, as a player. I don't, I don't know exactly how good he's going to be, but I am buying the Chris Carson stuff with Rashad Penny. Really? Maybe that's foolish of me. If he was going, if he had gone to any other team, I would not have been as I would not have bought this. I would not have said, "All right, they're not going to use Seahawks." They they gutted their defense in part this season, not only because of this, but in part because they love competition. How many Pete Carroll quotes have you heard this offseason where he said, well, we need to get more competition in the building? This is what they built their reputation on. This is why they think they've been successful. I think they've been successful because they had a really good quarterback on a rookie contract and they signed uh, Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. But they think they've been successful because of this competition mantra. I'm really, really worried about it. And I like Rashad Penny a lot more than Ronald Jones as a player. But you look at the situation, you say, I don't know how good that Seattle running game could be just to start with. We've seen them struggle. We know how bad that offensive line is. I, I would take Ronald Jones. And on the Royce Freeman point, I mean, what do you think Royce Freeman's going to be? I, I remember in Dynasty drafts, they go, all right, he's going to come in. He's going to be the workhorse. And everything we've heard has said that that's just not going to be the case. That Devontae Booker, apparently I can say that Devontae, that's interesting. <laughs> Devontae Booker is going to... Devontae Booker is going to be involved. I, I have really no reason to doubt that. I think that Booker has played better than maybe his counting stats show and maybe even his rate stats show the last his first couple of years. So I don't know really what you're getting with Freeman. I don't maybe he comes in, maybe he's the workhorse, maybe by the end of the preseason this has all changed. But I, I think that if you're looking at all right, who's probably going to get the most touches? I actually think it's Ronald Jones. That, so it's funny because when we broke this down about a month ago in the show. Frank was like, Frank Stanfield, of course, I don't know why Ronald Jones is going around or two later. It doesn't make sense. The opportunity is, is simply there. You're fighting with Jaquiz Rogers and Peyton Barber. I mean, th th these are the Charles Sims, right? Like, these are the players that you're competing against. When you use an early round draft pick of Ronald Jones, he's going to get every opportunity. So I agree with you that the answer probably is Ronald Jones. But I've heard a lot of Rashad Penny truthers being like, hey, Pete Carroll is the biggest blustering head coach that there is. There, nobody talks up their players seriously more than, more than Pete Carroll. And all this Chris Carson stuff is nonsense, and our, and our buddy Jake Seeley's looked into it. He's like, look, Chris Carson just wasn't that good last year. You look at his counting stats. You look at his rates. He wasn't that good. He had one really, really good game. He had one really okay game, and everything else was kind of meh. And you don't use an early-round pick like the Seahawks did or a first-round pick on Rashad Penny if you're not going to use him. The other argument to that is what you said. They pride themselves on competition. Russell Wilson, a third-round pick, started over the high-price contract of a Matt Flynn. So they believe the contract. I don't know that I'm buying Chris Carson, but I, so I have no problem drafting Rashad Penny. But I definitely trust Ronald Jones more. And when it comes to Royce Freeman, I feel like it's all Roto World that's telling me. I, I, I haven't been doing that. There, there's no way that I have been the author of any of any positive voice <laughs> streaming blurbs. And I think he's I think he's fine as a player. I really do. I think he's probably going to be a, a pretty good player. I don't know if he's going to be a great player. But first of all, I'm team Booker all the way there. I have been so for several years and, and I'm not going to jump off that bandwagon now. And I just don't know. I don't know how many carries he's going to get. I don't know how involved in the passing game he's going to be. And I think you can look in Bill Musgrave's history and, and see a situation that was similar to this in 2016 when he was with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. He had Latavius Murray. They had DeAndre Washington. They had Jalen Richard. They used Latavius Murray. He came in, was their early down guy. And then you saw Washington and Richard come in and, and really get more passing game work and also still get their carries. I think you could see a similar situation here. You can add D'Angelo Henderson to the mix. I, I just – I don't see – Freeman coming out and being a workhorse back. If he is, then he's going to smash his ADP, and I'm going to definitely be wrong. But I, I just don't see that happen. Well, let's, let's hope you're not wrong. Then if Ronald Jones is the top of this tier, quote-unquote, if Ronald Jones is the top, what do you trust him as? An RB2 or no? Yeah, I think that he's in that range. I think he's at the back end of the teens. I'm, I'm not going to say that he's you know a guy that you really are – 
that you're excited about to have as your running back too. But I think he's a top 20 running back. Maybe I think I have him 17, 18, somewhere around there. And I, and I trust him there for, like I said, I, he's going to get work. Even if Thompson's healthy, we don't know if Thompson's going to be healthy. We don't know how healthy he is right now. And I, I think that the opportunities are there for him. And, you know, he's really good. That's also really important. <laughs> it's true. The, uh, he, he is really good. Um, and, Hopefully it'll work out. When it comes to this crew, these this rookie running back crew, would you rather take a stab, uh, like me, high upside, we don't know what they are, would you rather take a stab at these guys than some of the other players that are going uh, around here? And I'll just, I'll just read them off. Jay Ajayi, Alex Collins, Mark Ingram due to the suspension, Lamar Miller. Would you rather have the rookies or, or those guys? I'd rather have those guys. I, okay. I think that... You know, we get excited about the rookies, and, and I understand exactly why. I, I spend all spring watching these guys, and it, you know, I, I develop love affairs, and I understand completely why why we get excited about rookies. But you look at some of those names that you mentioned, and they have the same kind of upside. I mean, Jay Ajahi, you say, all right, they're going to use a committee in Philadelphia, and they very well might. That's been what they've done under Doug Peterson. But they did that last year when they had both Jay Ajahi and LeGarrette Blunt. And whenever you know LeGarrette Blunt's gone— they haven't replaced him. You can get excited about Corey Clement if you want. I know Darren Sproles is coming back. But there's an opportunity here for Ajayi to come in and have you know, 60% of the carries. And if he does that in this offense with how good we think this offense is going to be, then you know, he, can, he can really be a lot better than any of these guys except maybe a baby Darius guy. So I, I would rather take a shot on someone like him. Lamar Miller, I don't, the upside is certainly not there. But you're, you're saying, all right, with Deshaun Watson, if we believe in Deshaun Watson, we have no idea if Dante Foreman's even going to be ready week one. And if he is, we don't know how effective he's going to be. The history of running backs coming back from Achilles injury, that's not, that's not particularly exciting. So you would think that Miller is, is probably pretty safe. And then Alex Collins, I mean, Alex Collins might be the most undervalued guy here. He's the guy, if you're asking, who are you taking there? The answer is Alex Collins. You look at what he did down the stretch last year, and I know Kenneth Dixon's there now, but they also had Danny Woodhead. They also had Buck Allen. And he came out, and he was a monster down the stretch last year. He was a running back one. Maybe he doesn't have as many big plays, but I expect this offense to be better, to offer them more touchdown opportunities. I'm all in on Alex Collins at his draft Wow, I can't wait till Frank listens to this and hear and hears you gush about Alex Collins because this has been his boy, and I've given him so much flack for it um, that he's it's annoying how much you like him as well. Three minutes left <laughs> in the show. Um, two more rookies I want to get to before we wrap up. Uh, Sonny Michelle, are you going to draft it? You can draft him fine. Are you taking him at his ADP now, given the injury and given that it's Patriots running back and they're going to love Rex Burkhead? No, I'm not taking his ADP right now. I yeah. think it's going to fall enough in the next month that, that he'll get to another point. But Rex Burkhead, that's that's the guy. I was looking at his yep. ADP today. He's going somewhere ridiculous. Like, it's absurd where Rex Burkhead's going. The Patriots have averaged 17.7 rushing touchdowns in Josh McDaniels since Josh McDaniels came yep. back. Rex Burkhead is the guy that's probably going to get a lot of those. Draft Rex Burkhead. I totally agree. And then you go to Detroit, and you mentioned a lot about LeGarrette Blunt a few moments ago uh, with Che Ajayi out there in Philly. He's now in Detroit. I like LeGarrette Blunt because it's Matt Patricia, and I think they're going to hand it to him a whole lot on the goal line. But that's going to seriously limit the upside of Carrion Johnson. Are you in on Carrion Johnson? Not particularly. I think that if he's going to do it, it's going to have to be in the passing game, and that's a concern because they also have Theo Riddick. Riddick. So you're looking at a situation where you say, where is this guy going to be used? Maybe he can get enough passes. Maybe he can get enough work between the 20s. And his, his draft cost is not bad. He's a running back 30. He's in the sixth round. So you're not, you're not, you're not really like getting sticker shock at that price. But I don't, I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know where the points are going to come from. Maybe in the preseason he's like, all right, this is our three-down guy, and then that all changes. But with Riddick and Blunt there, I, I, I'm really worried about if he's going to get enough touches to be fantasy relevant. All right, so there you go. It's Raymond Summerlin, rotoworld.com. Uh, this has been absolutely stellar. I have learned so much. Uh, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. Happy to do it again. Oh, you will be getting an email about five minutes after we wrap up. So <laughs> look forward to that. Uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, I actually don't have a guest, so if anyone wants to come back, he might. Send me an email five minutes after the show. Um, and, and Friday, EY will be here. Uh, it's going to be fun. Thank you so much for watching. Again, I want to thank Ray Summerlin uh, for joining us. We're going to do it all again tomorrow, we hope. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time.